Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. This um, Sunday, we're looking at, uh, on our uh, theme, following Jesus and all of life, looking at compassion and justice and um, all the ideas that's uh, happening. Whenever we went through these six practices, it was quite interesting because you'll notice on two of them, there's two words, all right? So while there's six practices, there's actually eight words. Um, We still call them six practices because what happened actually with the words the words banded about so much, maybe even for, for several weeks and, and for some of the words, um, a couple of months, we just couldn't, we couldn't land on a word. And we felt the two words, generosity and hospitality and compassion and justice were so inseparable that we thought we'll just make them one. We'll just make them one practice. And so we deliberated over those words um, and we, 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 we worked hard at working out of the things that we felt were displayed in the life of Jesus, hence following Jesus in all of life. Now, it was really interesting in the survey, as I say, we're on compassion and justice. On the survey, it was really, really encouraging to read the survey, I have to say. In the first question, what do you initially think when you hear the word compassion? Um, a feeling of pity or sympathy towards others, 45% or 45.2% of people uh, take that one. Um, A project run by church, thankfully only 2.5% said that. The third one, the yellow box there, an important part of my faith, 47% of you said that. Well, and those two and that green and yellow one is 91% of our church feel that um, compassion and justice are really, really important factors. And then in question two, um, how easy do you find it to have compassion for others? 59% said easily demonstrated, and 38% said sometimes demonstrated, and only 3.5% said struggle to show this to others. And again, the blue and the green there equates to 97% of people which is really, really encouraging to read. And the comments, I must admit, were really amazing. And then on the third one, um, how often do you demonstrate compassion? 37% said, I constantly look for ways to demonstrate this. And then um, 57% said, I demonstrate it when significant circumstances or need arise, which equates to 94% of you who did the survey. Um, the, the third one there was I demonstrated um, if I can afford time and money. Again, only 3% um, ticked that, and other was um, 4.5% on other things, or when I feel the Lord convict me, or uh, blah, 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 on and on it goes. And then um, question four, um, how do we, how, uh, do I, I find it easy to speak up for others in need, or in moments of injustice, again, in the strongly agree and in the agree section, 95% of people said that. Only 4% disagreed and 1.5% disagreed. So it's really interesting. Thank you for doing the surveys. There's some more. There's a, I think there was eight or nine questions. We'll, we'll, we'll look at some of the other ones next Sunday morning. But I just thought that was really important that you would look at that and see that. Thank you for doing it. It means a lot. Actually, it means a lot when you're sitting behind the desk in the study. 
It means a lot to know what everybody's thinking. And so reading these is of great benefit um, as we prepared our, our messages. I want to read four passages of Scripture really quickly, about 20 minutes or so, 20, 25 minutes. Um, if we can have that, that would be great. Um, I want to read four passages of Scripture. I want to make a few comments on them, and then I want to show us a little video, and then I want us to pray and worship, and we've finished. All right? So I, I, put, this, I put the verses on the screen this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible and you want to mark them, I suggest you do that. Because these are very, very profound verses, and bring your Bibles, mark them, write over them. It's really important um, to do that. I, I sometimes put little dates and times um, at, the, at, at things whenever God really speaks to me out of this. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is the character of God. It's not saying God does compassion. God is compassion. Remember how John's little epistle said, God is love. It's a characteristic of who he is. So God is compassionate and gracious, all right? Not does it, he is it. Isaiah 42, the prophet Isaiah is um, giving a prophecy about Jesus. And he says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. And I love this. He said, a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. To that um, smoldering wick that's hanging in the balance of life at the minute, God's not about to snuff that out. God's not like that. He says, in faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. So Jesus pers. He personified this in his life. And the Bible prophesied of one who would come full of compassion and gentleness, and that's who he was. Another passage in Isaiah 49, this is the third one. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands and your walls are ever before me. So throughout the Old Testament, we continually see this father, mother, heart of God was full of compassion. And this passage displays this explicitly uh, where even despite the constant adultery of Israel, the compassion of God and that father heart shines through. Even though a, a mother could give up a baby, he says, I, which she probably wouldn't. He said, I couldn't give up you. And then last little passage for now is Matthew chapter 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them um, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep um, without a shepherd. Now, Jesus lived his life. We know this, lived his life. We see him physically moved with compassion. Something, moved, something changed in his very demeanor when he saw these things, he wept at the grave of Lazarus, at the widow of Nain. He was moved. The compassion moved him to action because that's what compassion does. Now, the Greek word for compassion is a really interesting word, um, splangnizomahi. There you go. That's my Greek lesson to you today. I'm sure you're glad you came. And it means to have your bowels yearn. <laughs> now, don't ask me to describe that. But think it out. To have your bowels yearn. 
there's something, there's, 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 there's this figurative language where you feel sympathy and pity and you're moved with compassion. Compassion should lead you to action. It looks like our hands and our feet getting dirty, um, like people in history before us who were moved with compassion, like Mother Teresa and St. Francis of Assisi and Amy Carmichael and Jackie Pullinger and other people. So compassion is more than just a compassion project in 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 uh, Emmanuel. It's more than just a compassion project in Shalom. It's more than that, all right? So let's pray and ask the Lord to unveil these verses to us. Father, I pray that you would help us to handle uh, the Word of God wisely. We pray, God, that you would unfold and unpack these passages to us um, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. On the 28th of August in 1963, I was just a, a boy. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King would captivate the nation and the whole world with his vision and dream um, in Washington, D.C. Uh, I, I have read this so, so many times. It never, never fails to inspire me, his language. One wonders how people who didn't even like him would actually respect him, this American pastor, black pastor. And his dream for justice and right to be done, he was just such an amazing communicator. Um, one of his lines in his speech says this, we must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. He says, again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. I love that. He used his kids as an example. When you talk about someone's kids, you get their attention, either good or bad. You can say something really bad about me, I'll cope with that all right. But if you say something really bad about my kids, you might see the wrong side of Pastor Phil. Um, and that goes for all of you who are dads and moms in this place. And Dr. King said this, he says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I love that. When I planted the church back in 96. I had three teenage daughters in my home and one nine-year-old son. And, uh, and I remember being physically moved by the brokenness in Craig Avenue. I remember thinking that one day I'll have to stand before God and look him in the eye as to what I did about it. But I, I remember thinking that one day I'd have to stand and look at my kids when they were parents. And I'd have to look them in the eye and talk to them about what I did about it. And for all of you who are moms and dads in here who are doing something for your kids and now for my grandkids, not just mine, but for yours as well, we need to teach the next generation these things. We need to teach the next generation that some things aren't just on the doesn't matter realm. 
Some of these things really matter. And so what we want to do is we want to reconstruct how we understand this in Emmanuel. We want to not just simply a project, but a way of life that it becomes part of our DNA because how you show up in the world is really important to God. How you show up in your society, how you show up in your workplace, how you show up in your school, in your university, how you show up in your home is of vital importance to God. That's why when Jesus was asked, what is the great, greatest commandment? He could say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, on these two commandments, hang all the rest. We know that the Pharisees and scribes were law keepers. And so they wrote over 600 laws. Jesus said, if you keep these, you can hang everything else you've written, all the rest of your stuff, you could hang it on this. And so this morning, and, and obviously that was displayed no more powerfully in this incredible act of the cross. Because we see the, the vertical uh, of reaching up to God and we see the horizontal of reaching out to our neighbors and to mankind. And so the very symbol of the cross is the symbol of compassion and justice. And so this morning we want to examine what a life of compassion looks like for it's a, a compassionate life where hope is lifted up. And Jesus would often challenge the, the Pharisees because they were all about their laws. They were all about reading the laws and they, 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 they just... They didn't do this. There was no horizontalness in their faith. And of course, this just hit the ceiling then. And so, um, I, I, in the Old Testament, I, I got into the book of Amos this week, and we got into the book of Amos. Amos is a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, who is coming against the injustices of religious societies and, and, and the rules and the laws are just that they're so, no more, they're, they're so more interested in keeping the laws that they forget actually how to look after people. And in Amos 5, read, let, let me read this to you. This is how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and your image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. <laughs> when was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. That's pretty blunt language coming from anybody. But when it comes from the king of heaven, it sort of makes you sit up, doesn't it? It makes you realize, sorry for being blunt, but holy smoke, that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. And these aren't comforting words. Basically, God is saying, if we neglect issues of injustice and righteousness, then the best worship gifts are unacceptable to him. He says, we can, you can do all of this it means nothing if we actually aren't doing something with our hands. He despises the abuse of power because those in authority have been given the responsibility. And next week, we're going to look at three arenas that we work in in your personal arena. We're going to look at the social arena and we're going to look at the institutional arena, but that's for next week. Here's a couple of other things that Amos says in his book. Um, he says this, he says, they hate the ones who reprove who reproves in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take levies from, of grain from them, you have built houses of you and stone, but you, you shall not live in them. 
You, you have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the innocent, who take a bribe and push aside the needy at the gate. And the gate was where the leaders dispensed justice and settled disputes. And those that reproved the gate had total disdain for justice and, 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 and the, the judicial process. And the, this, 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 this was, the, the gate was where the innocent could actually receive fair hearing, but bribes denied them. And levies of grain spoke of overcharging tenant farmers and, and, and for the use of their land, and rents were too high. And probably loads of these farmers had actually lost their, their, their land fraudulently from the government. And, and these farmers were now being burdened with high taxes and rent. And then Amos goes on to say this in chapter 2. He says this, They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. Huge injustice of selling the poor into slavery, engaging in illicit sexual practices, taking advantage of Financial advantage of the helpless. This is all the abuse of power. And Amos calls for social justice. He calls for a compassionate life. So what do we do? How do we live a compassionate life? Three things really quickly, and then four practices that I think we can do. All right? How do, what does this compassionate life look like? Well, first and foremost, it looks like justice. It looks like justice. And the Hebrew word for justice or righteousness is the word mispat. It means justice or righteousness. That's what it means. And Psalm 103 says this. It says, the Lord works vindication and justice. That's the word mispat for all who, were, uh, who all are, are oppressed. So, so justice, um, a compassionate life, looks like people who serve justice. A compassionate life looks for people who live in peace. This shalom, this shalom, it's really important that um, uh, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, the thoughts and plans I have for you are for this shalom, for, for peace. And so this is, this is, this is a, shalom's a bigger word than just peace. Shalom is peace with everybody. It's wholeness and unity and balance. Shalom is a vision of all-inclusiveness where everyone is welcome, the broken and the lost and, and, and the down and out. They're all welcome. That's what's so important. It is harmony with God. It is harmony with our neighbor. It is harmony with nature. It is a place where justice and mercy abound, where faithfulness prevails and peace and unity reign. It's occurring and a consideration place for all people. That's what the shalom means. All right? And then the third thing about this is how we live this compassionate life or how it look or what it looks like is the word compassion. And the Hebrew word for this is the word hesed. I love this. Hesed. It's a word that's hard to translate, but we find it in Psalm 103 from everlasting to everlasting, God's love, the hesed of God's love is forever. Psalm 106, the steadfast hesed of God endures forever. When you study the word hesed, I haven't time to unpack it this morning, but in the Hebrew law, it actually said, if a neighbor borrowed your cart and left his coat as a pledge, by sundown, you needed to give him his coat back, even though he didn't give you the cart back. <laughs> 
It went the extra mile. Why? Because the night is cold and he needs his coat. A widow's coat could never be taken as a pledge because it was all she had. This was compassion. This was the hesed of God. Even the earth deserves it. When he talked about the not muzzling the ox when it was grinding the corn, this was the hesed love. The hesed love of God went right throughout society, right throughout the broken, right throughout the lost, right throughout everybody. So this means right relationships and right living. And it means that we make fair judgments. It means we have fair business dealings. And it becomes a stewardship of integrity and justice. And that's the way we need to live our lives. That's the way we need to run our businesses. That's the, need to, that's the way we need to be good employees. That's the way we need to be good children. That's the way we need to be good mums and dads. How do we do this? Four things really quickly. All right? The first thing I think you need to be is willing. Simple, isn't it? God works through willing vessels. He uses simple, ordinary people like you and I for the purposes of the kingdom, and we just need to be willing. I often say he's not looking for ability as much as he's looking for availability. As a matter of fact, I go further and I say that ability without a, a availability is just a liability. Now, you get your tongue around that, you then you maybe get your head around it, all right? So this idea of, 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 of ability is not as important as availability. So it's really important. And willingness is not just automatic. You know, you begin by praying for it. Make it your daily prayer that you might be willing to be used by God to bring justice around you. And many times it looks a bit scary and huge, but we step into it because um, it's what we need to face. We need to be willing. Second thing is we need to get the facts. All right? I hear people talking all the time, and you know rightly they haven't a baldy clue what they're talking about. All right, get the, get the facts. Become a global citizen. Know what's going on in the world around you. Uh, this, I think sometimes when at 6 o'clock at night I've become my dad. You know, I, I remember when I was a wee lad thinking, why does my dad want to watch the news? But, um, you, you know, become a global citizen. Know what's going on. This will take patience and perseverance as well as discernment to determine what's true and what's misinformation. And don't believe everything the media tell you. Oh, David Blevins isn't here this morning, so I'm safe. Don't tell him, Ruth. All right? But um, um, David's a good media man. And we need good media men, all right, and women. So get the facts. Um, get your hands dirty. Support the Compassion Project. Volunteer with Nicola. Shelley needs help in North Lurgan. More and more. Aspire, reach, links. Speak to us about Gujarat. Speak to us about India, about about the Philippines, about Uganda, about no more traffic, about Cambodia. On and on we could go. There's much to do. There's much to do. And, and then fourthly, influence public policy. Get involved in the political process and determining political and public policy. Make your voice heard. Write letters. We've been doing that around the whole abortion law, signing petitions, because this is so, so important. Remember, I remember hearing a story, um, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer tells it in one of his books in, the, in, in, in the time of the World War the World War II, when they were taking the, all the Jews by train um, to, the, to the extermination camps, they were passing one church that was close by the tracks, and the people could be heard screaming as the trains went past the church, so the congregation sang louder. They just sang louder to drown out what was going on. 
And so there's something about understanding um, who we are, that we have a, a voice as a church, that we, ha and we need a deeper community, we need deeper prayer, we need a greater voice, we need to get our hands dirty, we need to be better informed, and we need to step up with willing hearts. That's so, so important. Now, we're going to watch a little video. <sighs> Steam through that. Um, we're going to watch a little video. We'll not read that again. We'll, we'll come to that verse in a moment or two as we finish off. But we're going to watch a video. I want, you, I want you to watch this. Just watch it through once. Don't let it alarm you, all right? Okay, let, let's go with this. Are we working? No. Give another wee text so you can get it going. No. Look back onto my screen there. It's okay. We'll, we'll maybe pick it up the last time. Um, in the video, let me tell you what happens in the video. It's a video that went viral last week, and it happened in Argentina. And in Argentina, there was a, a lady that were standing at a, a, a waiting on a, a subway train coming in, and a guy faints. Are we going to go? Here we go. Watch, watch. There's no sound yet, so come on, watch it again. <laughs> technology. That little warning cone in the middle doesn't give me confidence at all. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, don't worry about the video, let me tell you what happens. The guy's standing at the wall waiting for a train, and he faints, right? Here we go, are we going to go? Knocks of him, right? Okay. There's a train coming. Now, just so you're not horrified, there's a good end to this story. She ends up, if you watched it on, she ends up walking away. So just in case anybody's devastated. Can we watch it again? One minute. I saw this. See the, the two circles, the two red circles. Watch what happens. The guy faints. The guy faints and he knocks the woman out onto the track. And, um, and there's a speeding train coming. And uh, the people just don't really know what to do. They, they do a good job. Can we watch it one more time? Can we, can we watch it one more time? Now watch it with me. Here, here, here's what, I, I watched this and I, it caught me, right? The thing that caught me was, watch the guy fall. Man falls. Adam falls. He knocks us out onto the tracks of sin and death. The train of judgment and death is coming and the people haven't a clue what to do. Nobody knows what to do. But you know what? Jesus steps in and he stops the train of death and judgment for us. This is why we do compassion. Because he first loved us, we love him. 
All of us in this room would be dead right now if Jesus hadn't stopped the train of death and judgment in our lives. All of us would not exist. We would be in hell and lost forever. And somehow, some way, all of us in our hearts right now should begin to thank God that he has done what he's done for us. Can you go to my screen, one tick there, just that verse at the last, at the very last, Hebrews 4, listen to this. It says at the end of that, therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, for he was tempted in all things like us, just like we are, yet he did not sin. Listen to this. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, so that we may receive the compassion and justice of God and the grace to help in the time of need. If God didn't allow the train of judgment to rule over us, how can we sit back and allow it to rule over others? If God didn't allow it to rule over us, then surely, surely I have a responsibility. Surely you have a responsibility to make sure it doesn't rule over somebody else. And one day, if you don't have kids, you will have to look your kids in the eye and tell them what you've done. Someday you'll have to look the King of Kings in the eye and tell him what you've done. Well, it wasn't really my problem. It is our problem. I heard recently of a, a group of people who were protesting quite dignified outside a new abortion clinic. And there were a group of believers and somebody shouted over, why don't you just go and mind your own business? And this young girl shouted, it is our business. It is our business. The plight of the unborn is our business. The just injustices in the slavery. 39 people have been found dead in a refrigerated trailer in the back of a lorry that, that actually came from Lurgan. Is our business. We have a voice. And compassion and justice is ours. And there's a world going to hell. And uh, we have a responsibility. Let us stand and worship. And then we'll pray. Amen. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.